welcome to the IOD's Director's Briefing Podcast. This podcast is produced by the IOD's Policy Unit and provides timely updates, insights and commentary on the key issues of the day impacting business leaders. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Director's Briefing Podcast. My name is Hugo Lee, the Communications and Stakeholder Relations Lead at the IOD. And today I am joined by Dr. Roger Barker, the IOD's Director of Policy and Governance, and Alex Hall-Chen, Principal Policy Advisor for Sustainability, Skills and Employment. Welcome to you both. Hello, Hugo. Hi, Hugo. As we enter 2023, I think it's fair to say that directors are facing many uncertainties. Um, The economic mood is one of caution and concern. Our own director's economic confidence index shows that confidence is rock bottom with firms having to deal with skyrocketing energy prices, rising interest rates and gloomy economic forecasts. Um, But what I want to discuss today is the prospects for 2023. Are there some positives that we can look forward to? So last week, we published a new paper exclusively for members looking at the outlook for business in 2023. And among other things, this sets out the view of the IOD policy team on a number of key questions. And it is three of these questions that I would like to discuss with you both today. Um, So firstly, Roger, um, I've already set out a pretty gloomy picture for the UK economy. Um, However, I'd be interested in your view on the outlook for business this year. Well, thank you, Hugo. And just a big Happy New Year to all IOD members. And I can totally understand if um, a typical IOD member is sitting there thinking, God, things are looking pretty bleak at the moment. We're we're heading into recession. We've got high inflation above 10%. Industrial action is continuing on the railways in the NHS and elsewhere. Um, And, you know, the world is a very uncertain place. I mean, we talk in our publication about, you know, the the continuing war in Ukraine. There's really no end in sight there. Um, So it is looking pretty um, uncertain. But... In the interest of trying to be more positive, and let's not forget that, you know, we no one can predict the future. So things can turn out on the upside just as, as they can um, in terms of having experiencing negative surprises. But in terms of, you know, trying to identify a scenario which could actually be quite positive for UK business in um, 2023. I mean, the first thing to mention is that most economists are predicting that the economy may contract by, say, about 1%. Now, you know, to put that in perspective, that, that's a pretty shallow recession. Um, in 2020, the economy contracted by more, more than 9%. So that is a magnitude away from what we're thinking about at the moment. It also, um, one could envisage a scenario where during the course of this year, inflation starts to come down quite rapidly from its in excess of 10% current level. You know, that's going to be driven by just the base effects, which will automatically kick in through the year um, unless prices continue to go as high as they have last year, which seems very unlikely. Um, Also, we may have lower energy prices feeding through this year. We've seen in the last few weeks, natural gas and oil prices um, 
move down to levels below where they were were uh, before Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So these are all positive deflationary forces. So if inflation does start to come down rapidly, especially in the second half of the year, we may see that interest rates in the UK um, don't have much further uh, to go in terms of hikes, uh, as the Bank of England may feel that inflation is coming under control. Um, If we then combine that with the fact that levels of unemployment in the UK are still pretty low, you know, a higher proportion of people are in jobs than ever before. Um, Many consumers, many businesses still have um, savings um, and resources available to them, which they built up during the pandemic, which which will continue to underpin um, their spending. And if we also see all of that combined with a recovery in some of the other major major global economies, economies like China, now that it is removing its zero COVID restrictions, and also the United States, if we have all of these things working together, then it's not impossible to envisage a scenario in the latter part of the year where we have a recovery and we and we do have economic growth. So that is a scenario, I think, which businesses should take account of. Well, thanks for that, Roger. And it's good to hear that you have some level of opt- optimism for the, for the year ahead. Uh, the second question that I'd like to discuss is whether there will be an easing of global shortages. I, I mean, I know that this is one of the top issues of concern for directors um, last year, um, Roger, what is your view on the prospects for global supply chains this year? I think that we could see uh, that situation improving, but perhaps later on in the year. I mean, there's no doubt that, that last year there were tremendous shortages, you know, in raw materials, semiconductors, medicines, food. And, you know, shortages in those areas were a big factor that were, that were driving up um prices and boosting inflation inflation even before Russia invaded Ukraine. I mean, initially, at the beginning of last year, <clears throat> I think it was really driven by, um, you know, the economy, the global economy not firing on all s- cylinders as it attempted to recover um, post-pandemic. You know, there was a big upswing in demand and the, the global economy couldn't, couldn't supply uh, that demand, uh, at least initially. Then, of course, we had the the war in Ukraine, which um, restricted the supply of grain, other agricultural products, fertilizers, um, really did push up food prices. And we're still seeing the implications of of that, um, very negative implications of the rise in food prices for for many developing um, economies. And then later on in the year, we saw the, the Chinese economy, you know, which is responsible for producing a lot of the the manufactured products for the global economy being almost throttled by the zero COVID restrictions which were which were being put in place. But now, of course, it, it's very good news that the Chinese government has very suddenly reversed its zero uh, COVID uh, restrictions in, in December. That really was, a, <clears throat> I think, a remarkable response to, to some of the unrest which we were observing um, across, across the country. Um, of course, in the short term, one of the implications of that, that raising the restrictions could be that COVID-19, the, the disease, starts to 
really rip through the population and pose a very large burdens on on the healthcare system in in China. And we could see factories being being shut down, and that has implications for for supply chains. But over the course of the year, you know, one would hope that that may start may start to come under control, and we could see uh, an improved supply of many. Um, commodities and manufacturers. I should also mention that so, something that's been happening in, in Western businesses over the last year or so is a lot of companies have been shifting um, some of their production to, out of countries where they feel there is a high level of, should we say, geopolitical risk to um, safer countries like India or Vietnam, where they feel they can they can outsource their production on a more sustainable basis, or indeed that they've been shifting production back onshore to their home market. So I think, you know, these factors will, it will improve the situation in terms of global shortages. But we shouldn't forget that there's this elephant in the room which sort of sits there as a, as a horrible possibility of, on the horizon. And that relates to all the sabre rattling which is going on at the moment over Taiwan. Taiwan, Taiwan, of course, is incredibly important for global supply chains. One of the, the world's major manufacturers of semiconductors, which feeds into pretty much our entire digital uh, world and lifestyle. Um, if something were to happen there in respect of Taiwan, even a blockade of Taiwan um, by China, that could actually once again um, sort of plunge us back into supply shortages in respect of some key key things. Thanks, Roger. Um, and now turning to you, Alex, the, the other key area where we've been experiencing shortages is in skills. Um, and it would be interesting to get your views on the outlook for labour and skills this year. Yeah, thanks, Hugo. Of course, since the lifting of pandemic restrictions, the UK's had really quite a very serious um, shortage of labour, leaving us with a rather strange combination of a recession and labour shortages. The main causes of this have been primarily over 50s taking early retirement, changing migration patterns, increasing long-term sickness and an ever-ageing population. So there are two ways that labour shortages could abate this year. Government policy could make a serious dent in one or more of those causes, for example, by enticing over 50s back into the workplace or by loosening certain migration rules, or as is more likely by a difficult macroeconomic environment, reducing the number of vacancies in the economy. So my guess is that yes, labour shortages will ease a little, but probably not for what we'd consider to be positive reasons. Very interesting. Thanks, Alex. Um, And my third and final question, uh, again to you, Alex, um, relates to net zero. Um, I think it's fair to say that many viewed COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh as something of a disappointment. Alex, do you expect to see much progress in the journey to net zero this year in 2023? Yeah, it's an interesting one because the, the Johnson government was relatively active on sustainability policy, but I think the current government is much more focused on economic stability at the moment. So I don't think we'll see a huge amount of movement on sustainability policy in 2023. We are waiting for the report from Chris Gibmore MP's independent review of how the net zero by 2050 target can be achieved in the most economically beneficial way possible. That review was commissioned by the trust government. So it'll be interesting to see how the current government responds to the recommendations. You know, we, we may see some movement from that. I think we're actually more likely to see progress from businesses themselves on net zero. 
you know, the ongoing energy crisis will continue to encourage the adoption of energy efficiency measures and the effects of consumer pressure, as well as the gradual pressure of reporting requirements being passed down supply chains as large companies calculate their scope three emissions, which will bring SMEs into the fold, may start to nudge companies to plan more for their net zero transition. Well, it's been fascinating to hear both your views on some of the key issues facing directors this year. Um, And if directors, uh, listeners would like to read more about the team's views on these and other questions, um, such as whether there will be a resolution of the Ukraine, Ukraine conflict and whether industrial unrest will get worse before it gets better, members can access the Outlook for Business in 2023 paper on the website. Um, a, li- a link to which uh, will be included in the episode description. It also contains some detail on the key policy proposals that we will be advocating this year on members on, the, on behalf of members. Um, and it just leaves me to thank you both, Roger and Alex, for, for joining me today on this podcast. Thanks, Hugo. Thanks, Hugo. hope that you have enjoyed this director's briefing podcast please do subscribe to our channel to ensure that you are kept up to date on our future podcasts you can find more information about our work on our website at iod.com forward slash news and on our linkedin and twitter profiles you can also contact us directly via policy unit at iod.com thank you